Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I just found out about a new app, which is surprisingly the first of its kind. Nowadays, there's an app for just about anything, from identifying constellations in the sky to getting someone to help you hang a picture on the wall. But up until now... Single parents haven't had a dating app specifically designed for them, which kind of seems ridiculous in retrospect, but now they do. And it's called Stir. Stir is a place where single parents can just be single. Stir is where you're excited to share your first date, that you have a daughter in third grade, and that you don't have to kind of pretend that's not a thing. And it's actually a huge part of your life, if not the main part of your life. Stir is where you don't have to apologize for having a crazy schedule. Stir is the app designed for parents who just happen to be single. Download Stir and tell your single friends to try it out. By the way, Stir was started by the Match Group and it was built specifically for single parents in mind. So they really focused on the unique set of challenges to being a single parent down to childcare responsibilities and financial constraints, and even finding a time to align on date nights. So remember, Stir is the app designed for parents who just happen to be single. Download Stir and tell your single friends to try it out. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman, and today's episode, I am welcoming Sarah Reardon, the Vagina Whisperer. She is a doctor of physical therapy and a board-certified women's health and pelvic floor therapist. She's talking about how to take care of your pelvic floor so that you have a better time with your developing body postpartum deep into your adult life because we definitely find changes are happening, but we don't really talk about them that much. So she's giving really practical tools on how to prevent incontinence, how to strengthen the pelvic floor muscle, which will help with your sex life, help with your day-to-day functioning. There's just so many things about how to raise a healthy vagina, and we should know about all this. We don't need pain during sex. We don't need to pee when we're exercising. There's so many things that we can do That's what we're talking about, the uncomfortable stuff that for some reason just doesn't get into the deep specifics in our healthcare system or even with our friends when we're talking about these things. So I'm excited to share this information with you. And I have Sarah's website in the show notes. If you enjoy this episode, please write a review, give a five-star rating, and of course, DM me with any comments or questions or feedback. 
that you kind of want to keep between us. I'm on Instagram on at Raising Good Humans Podcast, and you can sign up for my newsletter, dreliza.bulletin.com. I want to start off with your wish list of what women should know about their vaginas after they've had kids. And I'm focusing on that because this is a parenting podcast, not to diminish the value of what you should know before you have kids, but just to kind of focus on those of us who have vaginas. What are the things that you wish every woman knew and was part of kind of our healthcare? And I don't just mean postpartum or in preparation for, but for the long haul, because I mean, I don't really do personal disclosures on this podcast. That's not the vibe, but I am a woman who has a vagina and I have children and I am older than probably somebody who just had a baby. And I think there's just a real evolution and information that you find out after it's, it feels too late. Right. You know, I think it's really helpful to kind of just take a step back to help introduce people listening to what is our pelvic floor and how the vagina is connected to it and how that really changes when we go through pregnancy and birth. And so I'm a pelvic floor physical therapist. I have been for 15 years. And the pelvic floor is a group or basket of muscles that sit at the base of your pelvis. So everybody has them, female body owners, male body owners. And when we go through pregnancy, these muscles stretch and lengthen, just like our abdominal wall stretches and lengthens, so does this pelvic floor. And I always describe to people when, you know, we get those emails that tell us the baby's the size of an avocado, and then the baby's the size of a papaya, and then the baby's the size of a watermelon. Well, if we think about these hammock of muscles supporting an avocado, that's not going to change the way the hammock stretches that much. But if we think about a hammock supporting a watermelon, we can imagine it getting a lot more stretched out, a lot more lengthened, not as supportive. And that's really what happens to our pelvic floor muscles during pregnancy itself. And then we go through the process of childbirth, whether it's a vaginal birth or cesarean birth, and your pelvic floor and your abdomen are so closely connected that regardless of which way you birth, there are huge changes and transformations to this part of your body. So the pelvic floor helps keep in urine and poop with sphincters. It has the opening to the vagina for a vaginal birth or vaginal intercourse. And again, it's connected to your core muscles of your abdomen. So with pushing or perineal tears and episiotomies, abdominal scars from cesarean births, these muscles are typically not functioning as well after birth as they were pre-pregnancy. Yet we get such little education on how do we recover from pregnancy and birth. And it's a bit unfortunate because in other countries in Europe or South America, they have pelvic floor physical therapy really integrated into their postpartum recovery process. You get an automatic check-in with a pelvic floor physical therapist after giving birth who can assess how strong are your muscles, how weak are they, what exercises do you need to start doing to strengthen How can you work on your cesarean scar? So really a very detailed and personalized care plan, just as we would get for any other injury or any other surgery that we get in the United States of America, yet we don't have it for a postpartum mother. So, you know, I think that there's just so much room to integrate pelvic floor physical therapy, not just across the lifespan of a woman, whether it starts with when they're menstruating, when they become sexually active, when they're going into menopause. 
But I focus so much on pregnancy and postpartum because it's a very clear transformation for our bodies with very unformed patients about the role that pelvic floor physical therapy can play and that, you know, problems after birth are common, but there's so much we can do about them, yet we're just not getting the information that we need. So now let's say you're talking about a pelvic floor that's brand spanking new, just had a baby. And then I want to hear a little bit about a pelvic floor five years later, 10 years later, and like a perimenopausal pelvic floor. Because I'm kind of uh, assuming that that's the age range of most of the folks who are listening to this. What does that pelvic floor look like? And what can we do with that pelvic floor? So if we're thinking about a kind of fresh postpartum pelvic floor after a vaginal birth, those muscles are typically weak. You may have a hard time holding in urine. You may have some pain, soreness, discomfort with sitting, and not really sure where to start recovery. You know, how do you get back to exercise? How do you get back to intercourse? And so again, I think, you know, right now our postpartum care is a six-week check-in with our medical provider. And research is showing that 40% of people don't even attend that visit. So for 40% of people, it can be nothing. And so what we really want to focus on is if somebody first is in pain, if they have pain with intercourse, it could be due to scar tissue at the perineum, which is the area between the vagina and the anal opening that often gets torn during a vaginal birth. So working on relaxation strategies, muscle relaxation, scar tissue massage, using the right lubricant, trying different positions so that they don't have to just have pain with sex and feel like that's just part of their new postpartum experience. I think there are enough challenges returning to sex after having kids. (laughs) That pain should not be one of them. So again, just informing people that that's not normal and that there are things to help. Another really common one is obviously urinary leakage. This muscle, this hammock of muscles has a sphincter that helps keep pee in during the day. And then when we go to the restroom, it can relax, the muscle relaxes and our bladder kind of squeezes urine out. If that muscle is not strong enough to keep in, keep that sphincter closed with coughing or sneezing or running or jumping, you'll typically leak urine afterwards. And that's probably one of the more common complaints that we get from women after birth. Again, we need to strengthen these muscles. Again, there's scar tissue, there are things or tension, there's things that we may need to address first. But, you know, pelvic floor muscle strengthening, are Kegels the right exercise? How do you do exercises other than Kegels for pelvic floor strengthening? So really helping people kind of connect with this part of their body. I think oftentimes we're like, am I doing a Kegel? How do I even know if I'm doing it right? And then, you know, as pelvic PTs, we really help people connect with that part of the body and start strengthening or relaxing if that's what they need. And then probably one of the more common ones is abdominal separation. So again, as pelvic floor PTs, we work a lot with postpartum moms, but, you know, stretched out abdominal walls, it often looks like you're pregnant, even after you're not, you've given birth. There's a condition called diastasis recti, which is really common. But again, it's your abs are stretched out and separated and they're not coming back together. And so we can think of it as just cosmetic, but again, you know, this can lead to back pain. This can lead to constipation. It can lead to difficulty returning to exercise, picking up your kids. So your core is compromised and we'd want to be able to help those people kind of not just recover immediately postpartum, but longer term, how do you get back to sex, exercise, working, taking care of your kids and not be in pain or leaking or things like that. 
If we think about moms a little bit further down the line, more often than not, people are having a couple of babies. So we may go from childbirth to potentially breastfeeding or lactating. Even breastfeeding affects your pelvic floor. You have typically lower estrogen levels when you're breastfeeding or lactating. So lower estrogen means vaginal dryness, thinning of the vaginal tissue, sometimes discomfort with intercourse or urinary leakage. So again, things that, you know, we want to encourage moms to breastfeed, but we also want to tell them like, hey, if you're experiencing vaginal dryness or itchiness or irritation with sex, it could be because of this, here are some things to try versus they, you know, sometimes these are really intimate issues. We don't even know who to go to for help or if it's normal. So, you know, kind of normalizing the conversation about, hey, if these things pop up, this is who you go see or this is who you ask. Well, and I think that this happens both after you have babies and while you're breastfeeding and then also as you get older, which is that like lowered estrogen can confuse you and make you think you're not attracted or you're not interested in sex anymore or something's going on that is about the relationship when actually there's stuff that you can do, which I hope you'll get into to make it so that you're not wincing or avoiding and getting into that cycle, which I think happens in lots of marriages over time and partnerships, you know, where you're the only thing we're willing to talk about publicly, I think is igniting like a more passionate sex life or making, and that's even newer conversations, right? Like connecting better with your partner, but it's really important for women to also find out that it may just be that there's things that you need to do for yourself so that you can feel better about that connection and that, yeah, you know, it isn't just that it's about your feelings for your partner. Right. I mean, absolutely. And I think it's really kind of putting the onus as on women and mothers, like you got to step it up here when I think there's one, a real physiological issue, like your estrogen levels yeah. are lower and you know you're sleep deprived and you're physically in pain and so i think when it comes to hormonal changes there are things that you know we work with physicians to do so oftentimes people can be put on topical estrogen creams you know different things to help boost estrogen in their bodies or just you know making sure that their vaginal tissues are moist and they're using the right lubricants and they're working with the pelvic pt to you know massage their scar so there's less pain things like that and I really think about, it's interesting because when we talk about sex, it's like, we kind of talk about the the emotional component, but I even yeah. think like a step back, there's this whole bottom of the pyramid of like, you don't want to be peeing your pants or, you know, we call them queefs or vaginal farts during sex, or if you can't have an orgasm or it's painful. Right. I mean, these are real bottom of the pyramid things that prevent people from going into that experience feeling confident or sexy or desirable or comfortable even. And so we kind of miss that whole chunk of, well, how do you get to the next level of increasing, you know, intimacy when you're like, I just, I just want to not, not pee Pee myself. Right. (laughs) Exactly. You know, it's like when people talk about something, you know, a behavior, something going on in your child's behavior or anything really about, development, out of the gate, you have to make sure that we're not worrying about well-fed, getting exercise and getting like enough sleep. Same with adults. And this feels like the equivalent of making sure that the bottom of the pyramid, like just the fundamental of your body is being, those needs are being met in a way that is pretty technical. 
Right, right. And if we think about it, I know for me as a mother, one of the things that has helped me the most with anxiety or stress management is exercise. And it's something we encourage people to do all of the time for the you know wealth of benefits that it brings to you. But if you can't run because you leak and that's your favorite thing to do, or you know, you're not sure even where to start, how to return to exercise after having kids because you have an ab separation or a hernia and you're like, I don't know what to do or what not to do. And and this Instagram account says do this and this, you know, fitness person says do this. And it's we just don't have any clear guidance on how to help with our own recoveries to get us to that step of like jumping on the trampoline with our kids, wanting to have intimacy with our partners, exercising for the physical and mental health benefits of it. So it's really, I mean, this is why it's so fascinating to me. And I'm actually so happy that pelvic floor health and postpartum recovery is getting just so much more attention. And it's really getting brought into the limelight a little bit is because it's such an easy thing to do. Like after we have knee surgery, you automatically go to physical therapy because you need to learn how to walk and how to run and how to squat and bend. And it's the same thing after giving birth. We just need to kind of help women return to their bodies and their function instead of just kind of sending them on their way and saying like, thumbs up, let me know if there's a problem. (laughs) And then if there is, we're like, oh, well, leaking, that's normal. Pain with sex, use lube. And it's, it's a little bit dismissed even when we kind of do come back with a complaint. And now a word from my sponsors. If you have a baby with sensitive skin or eczema, you know how difficult it is when they develop diaper rash. So enter Coterie. Coterie diapers and wipes are made with the most gentle and safe materials on the market, and they help keep your baby healthy and comfortable and you at ease. There are so many questionable materials and baby products these days that parents can get scared. You want to keep your baby safe and protected, but you don't want to sacrifice their comfort. With Coterie, your baby can have both the cleanest and highest performing diapers with a comfortable feel. How many times do you get up in the middle of the night? If you have a little one, you know it's been a while since you've gotten through a full night's sleep without interruption. And one thing that can also help are coterie diapers. So they keep your baby happy and comfortable, and that leads to fewer wake-ups and more shut-eye for everyone. I wish coterie had been around when I had babies. Coterie's been awarded best diaper and wipes by both The Bump and Parents.com. It's dermatologist-tested. They use the cleanest ingredients without sacrificing any of the capacity of that diaper to hold so much. Right now, Coterie is partnering with my podcast to offer you 20% off your first order, plus free shipping at Coterie.com slash humans. That's Coterie, spelled C-O-T-E-R-I-E dot com slash humans for 20% off and free shipping. Coterie.com slash humans. This brand is awesome. Parallel is the first and only OBGYN-founded prenatal vitamin offering targeted nutrition for each unique stage of motherhood. They have vitamin packs for anyone trying to conceive and each individual trimester of pregnancy because baby and mom need different nutrients throughout each stage. And there's even a product for postpartum and early motherhood. These products are meticulously formulated by their founding team of world-class doctors, including notable OBGYNs, widely published maternal and fetal medicine doctors, and award-winning fertility doctors. But today, I really just want to tell you about the Mom Multi-Support Pack, which is an incredible product that I wish I had had during postpartum and those early days of motherhood. 
Parallels mom multi-bundles together two prenatal vitamins offering full-spectrum nutrition and immunity support and high-quality omega with DHA and EPA along with a stress support blend because let's be real, parenthood is a high-stress job and a beauty blend to support your hair, skin, and nails because like, why don't you want that? Each parallel pack comes with a 30-day supply of vitamins, all conveniently bundled together with a recyclable daily packet you can take on the go anywhere, anytime. Exclusively for Raising Good Humans listeners, Parallel is offering 15% off your first three months of Parallel with the code HUMANS15. Head to parallel.co, P-E-R-E-L-E-L dot C-O. And if you don't love it, you can cancel anytime with a 30-day money-back guarantee. What should people do? Let's say they don't have access to a pelvic floor therapist. I just made that up, didn't I? Is that the correct? No, I mean, some people, yeah, the pelvic floor therapist is what we're called. And they're in cities all across the nation and covered by insurance in a lot of places. And some people are out of network with insurance, like I am in my clinic. So, but there are some places, you know, smaller towns or whatever, where they, they aren't accessible. That's so interesting that it's covered by insurance. It's just not advertised to women as part of the deal. It's like physical therapy, like you would go to if your back hurt or if your little kiddo broke his leg and needed to rehab after. And is there a difference in the pelvic floor? Because whether you had a C-section or you had a vaginal birth, there are many women who just joke around during an exercise class about peeing or whatever whatever happens. What's the technical word? Incontinence. Incontinence. So I think that's a that's kind of a running joke and a wink wink with moms and then you just kind of let it go. But does it get worse if you don't do something about it? Absolutely. I mean the research really shows if you're experiencing leakage at a certain time that it's more likely to be continuing to happen 5 or 10 years later to the point where 50% of women over the age of 65 have incontinence. And so, oh I mean, God. when you go to the grocery store, there's an entire aisle of Depends and incontinence liners, and it's because people need them. But Ugh. it's one of those things where I always, you know, I saw these commercials and they're going, little leaks are part of being a lady. And I'm going, why? Why is this the narrative that we're being told when, you know, we're offering them liners, which is great to help them function without, you know, wet underwear. But what about, recommending physical therapy and saying, hey, let's try this. There's no negative side effects. Physical therapy is covered by insurance in a lot of places or it's pretty mainstream. There's so much you can do. And and as you mentioned earlier, I think that as postpartum, you know, moms, we go from pregnant to breastfeeding, oftentimes to pregnant again, maybe to breastfeeding again. And we're having kids older. So we're hitting that perimenopause stage pretty fast in their early to mid 40s. And then our estrogen levels start to go into a little bit of a dive. And that's when we see more changes in the, the vaginal and vulvar tissue integrity. Like there's, that's when we start to have more incontinence or leakage or prolapse or things like that, that are, we kind of consider part of aging. And it all kind of starts hitting pretty quickly. So yeah, I think, yeah, I know. It's like, I'm like, this is, sounds like your vagina is doomed and there's no hope, but it's really so yeah. Let's give let's give some hope. Yeah. So, what are some? <laughs> can you describe physiologically describe a Kegel? Yeah. And other exercises. I don't know. I know Kegels, but I definitely haven't heard of any other exercises that help the pelvic floor muscle, right? Which would in turn help with incontinence. I assume absolutely. So you know, we think about muscles in two ways. They're either too tense or tight, 
And that typically causes pain or difficulty relaxing, just like if you have tight, tense shoulders and you get headaches. Or we think of them as too weak. So that would be your pelvic floor is not contracting as well as we would want. So it leads to pelvic organ prolapse, which is when that hammock isn't supporting your organs as well, like your bladder, your rectum, or leakage of urine, things like that. So if it's a weakness issue, often the place that you start, or that's more commonly known as doing a Kegel exercise, and a Kegel is just a contraction of your pelvic floor. So if you are peeing on the toilet and you feel like, oh, I want to stop my urine stream, that's a Kegel because you're closing that urinary sphincter. Or if you're like in an elevator and you're trying not to pass gas and then you Kegel, like you squeeze your butthole, that's a Kegel. So it's the front part that stops urine, the back part that stops gas. It's that whole kind of... I didn't know there was a back Kegel. There's a back Kegel that, you know, where the other side, like where poop comes out. And so the muscle really has both of those sphincters. So it's the front and the back together is a Kegel contraction. I don't want people doing Kegels while they're peeing, but it's a good way to connect like, okay, is, is that the right contraction? And then, you know, lying down on your bed, standing or in sitting when you're, you know, driving your car, those are great times to do Kegel contractions. And I tell people to do two different types. There's quick ones where you just squeeze, relax and squeeze, relax. And then there's longer hold contractions where you squeeze and hold for five to 10 seconds and then relax for five to 10 seconds. We have two different types of muscle fibers in our body, sprint muscle fibers and marathon muscle fibers. And those two types of contraction works, works both of those. So that's, you know, when we think of Kegels, we just think of the squeeze and relax, squeeze and relax, but you really want to focus on the longer hold ones as well. And then that's is where we bring them into different exercises. So you do them with bridges and squats and weightlifting and lunges. And so you bring that Kegel into exercise and then into your day-to-day when you're picking up your kids, when you're carrying your groceries into the home, when you're squatting to pick up your stroller and put it in the car. Like it's using the muscle when you need it, not just kind of doing Kegels in the carpool line like we've always been told. Oops, I did not know that. <laughs> Until now. <laughs> so so is this something that women should be doing daily, kind of indefinitely as part of your routine? If they have weakness, if they're known to have weakness, then yes, you, you would start in maybe lying down, then move into sitting or standing, which are more difficult positions, then maybe integrate them into exercise and kind of day-to-day activity. And I kind of consider it like, brushing and flossing your teeth. Like you can have a cavity, you kind of get the cavity fixed and then you have to kind of keep up a maintenance program. And what if you don't, if you're just, there's nothing going on, but you kind of feel like, well, I want vaginal health and this seems like it's part of it. What do you recommend? So the research is really showing 30 repetitions a day. So I would tell people 30 quick ones, 30 longer holds of between five to 10 seconds. And then I want them to do them more in an upright position, like in standing we don't typically pee our pants when we're lying on our bed. We pee our pants when we're walking to the bathroom or, you know, putting our key in the door or jumping or something. So we want to practice using the muscle in the position that we need it to work. And then I have them do them, you know, every day, just like you would floss your teeth. I say, find a way to integrate it into your day. The tricky part about Kegels is that not everybody needs them. So we, we mentioned a little bit that some people have tension, just like you would have in your neck. So With those conditions, we see more of like difficulty emptying your bladder. Like you feel like you can't empty it all the way or you have to push to start your stream, constipation Uh and straining with bowel movements, hemorrhoids, and then painful intercourse or pelvic pain. So those are all times where typically tension is an issue and you wouldn't want to do Kegels and you'd focus more on doing some 
relaxation stretches, a lot of yoga, some breathing and making sure that you're, you know, not tensing throughout the day, things like that. I think I need a a more graphic description of how to do the relaxation exercises. I love that. I love specifics. So if anybody's familiar with yoga, child's pose, where you kind of get into your hands and knees and rock your bottom Uh back, that is really a great position to relax your pelvic floor. The best position to relax your pelvic floor is squatting. So when we think about when mothers give birth, they're lying on their back and their knees are up towards their chest because they're kind of in the squatting position and that's relaxing their pelvic floor muscles for baby to come down the birth canal. If you go to India or Asia or you go camping, you squat over the ground to use the bathroom because that's typically the best position to relax your pelvic floor to pee or poop. Even if you see your little kids squatting in the corner to poop, I mean, that's because squatting is the physiological position to relax this muscle. So positions like a deep squat or child's pose or just lying on your back and bring your knees to your chest, kind of nice and relaxed, open. Any position that really puts those muscles in a lengthened position is great for relaxation. Other things, I'm like, check in with your butt. So many of us are butt clenchers. We're like typing at our computers and we're sitting in traffic and your tush is totally squeezed. That causes pelvic floor tension. Hearing you describe these things, it is near impossible. I bet every single person listening is trying to figure out in real time what's happening. (laughs) Is that me? Am I a butt clencher? So really super simple. I tell people (laughs) to go to their breath. I'm like, go to your breath. You can't squeeze your butt and take really good deep breaths at the same time. So just you inhale, kind of let your belly fill with air, exhale, soften, and let it come back to rest. And just focusing on doing five to 10 of those breaths helps soften your pelvic floor so it doesn't hold all of this tension throughout the day. Sarah, it's so interesting how so many things are analogous to all the other care that we need because breath is what you need to go back to as a parent, to self-regulate, to get your nervous system back in check. It's kind of the best thing. It's the first step in discipline. It's the first step in connection. And apparently it is also the first step in relaxing your pelvic floor muscle. If we think about this, our pelvic floor is so connected to our nervous system. So when we're highly upregulated or stressed or anxious, every muscle in our body tenses. So this muscle is no different than tensing your jaw or tensing your shoulders or tensing your neck. It's just another muscle that also can hold tension that we, in today's world, you know, we all experience and kind of need a little bit of coaching on how to let it go. We see that tension show up with pelvic floor problems when we have pain with sex or tailbone pain or, you know, can't poop or pee well, things like that. Okay. Now I want to know how and what you can do to influence your sexual pleasure. So, you know, they always, I wish I had the answer to this because I'm also a mom of two working mother (laughs) and wife. So I can't say that I have all the answers, but I'll do my best. You know, I think we, we kind of touched on that really bottom of the pyramid things. I think feeling confident in your body, in your pelvic health is a really great starting point. You want to feel like this feels normal. Like I think a lot of times we think about, do I feel too loose after giving birth? Or is my partner enjoying this? I mean, when we have these kind of thoughts racing through our mind, we can't really be present and focus on our own pleasure and our own engagement in that process. So you know, I think it helps a lot of people feel more confident when they're taking proactive steps to take care of their pelvic floor. 
also knowing what's normal and what's not. You know, we talk about orgasms. Well, a lot of folks will come in and they'll say, I can only have an orgasm with clitoral stimulation. And I say, well, 90% of people can only have an orgasm with clitoral stimulation. So kind of normalizing that that's really common. And we have this kind of idea or, or that it should be different or that you should be performing differently when actually that that's pretty normal and average. So I think just kind of general education can be helpful. And the other thing is always, you know, we can put a foot on the gas, but we also have to make sure we're taking a foot off the brake. And so making sure that you're not, you know, you're not experiencing pain. If there is pain, that's not normal. And you'd want to check in with someone. I've worked with moms who've had pain for 11 months after giving birth. And within three sessions, they are doing 100% better. And they're just like, I just wish I would have known about this sooner. So it can be quite simple. Also using a a lubricant. I think that we used to think that a lubricant was something maybe a little bit kinky or a little bit different when really it's it's just a way to decrease friction and increase pleasure. So water soluble lubricants, things that aren't warming or tingling, nothing kind of scented or sparkling. I always say if it's if it tingles or sparkles or glitters or glows, like don't put it down there. Just a water soluble lubricant is totally fine. And that you shouldn't feel like you're not wet enough. I mean, this is something where that's really normal to be able to have to use that during intercourse and it can increase pleasure. And then also just, you know, regular things like I encourage people to go to the bathroom beforehand. I encourage them to go to the bathroom after, make sure that your bladder's empty, preventing any urinary tract infections. And then I think, you know, different things that we know help stimulate us feeling better, rest, good nutrition, exercise, you know, doing the things that we know can help us feel like we want more pleasure and desire and connection with our partners. And now a break so I can tell you about my sponsor. Those big wireless providers forgot that families come in all shapes and sizes. That's why Mint Mobile decided to shake up the wireless industry with their brand new modern family plan. Each line starts at $15 a month, and you only need two lines to get started. No matter how big or small your family is, you deserve to save on your wireless service. So for anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers wireless for just $15 a month. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or a family. And at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Plus, Mint Mobile's modern family plan lets you mix and match data plans so everyone gets the amount of data that's actually right for them. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with your existing contacts. So switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. To get your new wireless plan for just $15 a month, including the modern family plan, Go to mintmobile.com slash humans. That's mintmobile.com slash humans and cut your wireless bill to $15 a month at mintmobile.com slash humans. You know, one of my biggest passions is educating our generation of moms and women. And I think that this just gives us so much, so much education ability to educate the next generation that we should you know, I do encourage people to call their body parts by their name. I encourage moms to teach their children. It's not a a TT or a Tata or a Cha-Cha. It's a vulva. And the vulva has three openings, one for urine, one for poop, and then the vaginal opening or the vagina. So kind of really using the terms that are the appropriate anatomical terms instead of nicknames. The research shows that that just kind of helps with 
communication with our kids down the line. I think encouraging, you know, moms later down the line to also say like, teach our kids, this is how you insert a tampon. This is what you expect. You know, pain is not normal when you start having intercourse. Leakage for, you know, a, a female athlete during track or cross country is not normal. We should check in with a pelvic PT. Really opening the doors to having these conversations with our kids when they're young and even when they're older. I think it's just going to elevate the entire women's health and pelvic health arena that we're having these conversations. I always say, we want to normalize the conversation. We don't want to normalize the problem. And I think that mm. we can totally laugh about these little leaks that we have, but we also want to not normalize that because you know we all will end up in diapers. And I don't think that that's what we want our destiny to be. No, I think, I think that's a very good point. I'm curious about this and it may, I really haven't thought about this till you just made me think about it. But so I have teenage daughters or one of my daughters is 15 and one is 12. I'm sure they would be, gratefully, they don't listen to this podcast because it's too boring for them. <laughs> but are there exercises that teenagers should know about in order to sort of maintain vaginal health? Are Kegels the kind of thing and relaxation exercises important to know your body and to take care of your body years and years before childbirth? Or is that a waste of their time? No, it's definitely not a waste of their time. But I would even take a step back to think it's more about like that baseline education. So I think one, it's kind of starting with what's normal. So for peeing, it's normal to pee every two to four hours during the day and zero to two times at night. If they're going all of the time, I would say, hmm, that's a little bit unusual. We'd want to go get that checked out. So kind of those normals, which I'll just say them here so we all know them. It's normal to have a bowel movement anywhere from three times a day to three times a week. If they're over or under that range, that could be a sign of some pelvic floor or you know gastrointestinal issues that you'd want to get that checked out leakage, never normal. We actually have a lot of young female athletes that do cheer and running and sports and track and they have leakage. And that's kind of been normalized in those communities, but that's actually an early sign of pelvic floor dysfunction where they could start seeing a pelvic floor therapist and start working on that right away. So again, it doesn't become a long-term issue. Other signs are pain with intercourse, pain with tampon insertion, pain with pelvic examinations, those are all signs that the pelvic floor muscles are involved and that they would want to go work with a pelvic physical therapist. And there are some that work with teens. But kind of the main streamlined things I tell people is like, I think it's important we teach people how to use tampons or menstrual cups, Like, but we have to know how to do that. I've educated 18, 21-year-old women that were like, I don't know how to put this in. And they leave the plastic applicator in or they you know, they don't even know how to pull it out. I mean, just different things that we just assume are so common sense, but we really do need to guide them through these things. And then the two biggest things are peeing and pooping. Like when you pee, don't push. I call it power peeing and moms are notorious for it. You should really sit. To just pee fast. Yeah, you just, they're too fast. We're always in a rush. And so we're like pushing our pee God. out as fast as we can. So when you're peeing, you should sit, relax, and just let your bladder empty. And then for pooping, if you follow me on Instagram, I love this thing called the squatty potty. And it's a little stool you put under your feet. And it kind of uh -huh. puts you in the squatting position when you're pooping so that you are in that physiological position for bowel movements. And I encourage it for toddlers. I encourage it for kids. I encourage it for grownups. So like learning how to pee and poop, learning about menstrual health, really baseline stuff that I think we can educate them on. And then, hey, if this pops up, it's not normal. Talk to me about it. And there's help for it. 
I love this. This is so helpful. And now there's such a good resource for everybody. They can go to your website, which is in the show notes, thevaginawhisperer.com. And you have a fantastic Instagram, the vagina. Is it the vagina whisperer? It's the vagina. It's the dot vagina dot whisperer. You know, I, I've just, I always attribute the growth of that account to just people really want to know this information. We're not getting it from a lot of other places. So it's been a real joy to, to see the growth of it and just connect with so many people. Oh, I'm so glad. It's so cool that these conversations can actually happen because this is, it seems like very easy information. And yet I don't think most of us have it. Thank you for having me. I mean, it's just, these are the opportunities I think that really kind of get that information out there to such a wide audience. So thank you. Thank you for coming. And I hope you have a wonderful, whatever this is. Is this summer break yet? It's very hot in New Orleans. It's definitely summer break. (laughs) 